Hello, and welcome to the Van Life Lab podcast, where we are all about exploring the trials and joys of van life. I'm Eric, joined today by my two co-hosts, Colby and Kayla. That's right, we're all back together. Today we're here to talk about cats and van life. Our previous episode on dogs and van life got a lot of traction, so we thought we would follow up with this similar topic. Why don't we start the same way we always do, by just letting our audience know where we're coming to you from. Kayla, what about you? Yeah, so I am just outside of Lago Arenal in kind of the tropical cloud forest of Costa Rica. And it has stopped raining for the first time in like 24 hours. So it's a little quieter right now. Where are you guys coming from? Man, that is that is very magical, it sounds. We are coming to everyone from Sedona, some BLM land right outside the city. It is gorgeous. The temperatures are hovering, hovering around zero and the 60 mile per hour wind stopped this morning. So we are stable again. Yeah, we wrapped up a great time in the Grand Canyon and then had two days just to lay over in Flagstaff while this windstorm passed by. So honestly, it's been a lot of driving the last couple of days. So I'm excited to just kind of sit for a couple of days and yeah. enjoy everything that Sedona has to offer. Before we really dive into everything cats and van life, we see you all listening, and we want to ask you to give an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. They really help us out. We're, we're not some mega podcast that uh, has a million reviews. We're still trying to get our first 10 reviews on Spotify so we can actually have like a public review. So please take this time, mm-hmm. pause your podcast, I'll give you time, and just leave us a quick review. All right, after that. Kayla, why don't you give us a quick introduction into your cat? I I hear he is called Ditch Cat. Kind of how you got him, any hopes and fears or things you were looking for in a cat? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm glad we're kind of starting here because, frankly, I did not want a cat in the van. I've been wanting a cat for quite a while, um, and it had just never really been the right time. And certainly once I'd moved into the van with two dogs, uh, there was no way in heck that I was going to get a cat. I kind of figured I would get a cat after I moved out of the van, probably when I started a PhD program. And then I was on a run in Nebraska during um, kind of my wind farm season with the dogs and heard a kitten screaming in the woods. Um, so I stopped my run, went over, pulled this cat out of the ditch, and it was Norbert, um, a.k.a. Ditch Cat. He was hungry, not super skinny, but um, definitely had been out for at least a day or two. I carried him home on my shoulders <laughs> and fed him a bunch of food and spent a couple days looking for his people and wasn't able to find them. So then I started the process of trying to find him a new home because, again, I did not want a cat in the van. And then over the next 10 days or so, he just really proved himself to be a member of the family who was going to fit in well and kind of wanted to stay. And I think that will lead us into a lot of the things that I saw from him are going to really help us highlight what you may want to look for if you're considering getting a cat for the van. As far as my hopes and fears, though, I think I was really concerned about finding space for the litter box. I was concerned about the odor of the litter box. I was concerned about safety for the cat. Knowing that cats are a little bit harder to train than dogs, I was concerned about ensuring that he didn't bolt out the door when I was at a busy you know, truck stop and making sure that if he were to escape from the van, I would be able to get him back. I was concerned about just overall space in the van, figuring out how to keep the cat food away from the dogs. 
making sure we all just had space to be happy and have our own, you know, have our own space. And I've said space like five times in that sentence. But I was also really excited by the possibility of having an adventure cat um, and kind of seeing what it could be like to have a cat in the van. So by the time I kind of finally made the decision, I was feeling really excited about the opportunity to kind of share this grand adventure with a cat as well as the two dogs. I, I would love if you would kind of dig into how those hopes and fears played out with said ditch cat. You kind of mentioned, you know, the cat bursting out of the van when you open the door or space. Um, have those fears all kind of been validated or have you solved them? How are you doing now? I forget how many months you said, but I you know it's been a couple. So how are things going? Yeah, so I found Norbert on September 11th, um, which is an easy enough date to remember. It is April 4th, so it's been close to six months-ish with, yeah, yeah, just over six months. And things are good. We have a good rhythm going. Luckily, we actually found Norbert the same week that my dad and I were installing the headliner shelf in the van, which we had been already previously installing, knowing that my friend Tony was going to join me on the Pan American Highway, and that was going to be her space. But I (laughs) negotiated with Tony when I I kind of asked her as well, you know, how do you feel about having a cat on this trip as well? And she's a huge cat person. (laughs) Norbert is actually sitting next to her and her laptop right now, um, rather than next to me and my laptop. She was thrilled, and we... Then we're able to use that headliner space, that headliner shelf, both as space for Tony. Tony gets about three quarters of it, but Norbert then gets the other quarter. So that's where we put the food to keep it up from the dogs. It also gives him space to go and sleep or lie down if he ever wants kind of space where nobody else is going to bother him. But then as far as him going out the door, that has been kind of an ongoing issue. The current solution we have, which we'll, we can dig into more as we kind of get, get into safety, he wears a back clip harness that is made for like Chihuahuas or Yorkshire Terriers. Pretty much unless the van is locked for the night. So if I lock the van for the night until I get up in the morning and I'm opening the van for the first time, that's the only time he's not wearing that harness. And then I have a couple leashes that are carabinered to the door of three different lengths. So whenever I open the door, I clip Norbert to one of those leashes so that he, in theory, can't get out. We also have a tractive GPS tag on him, and that is attached semi-permanently to his harness. So if he were to escape, which has happened multiple times, we have not been perfect, even with the system I just described, we have a way to try to track him down again. But it has been challenging. He's very, very adventurous, which is part of why I love him and part of why I wanted to keep him. But he um, does probably slip out of the door or kind of get away from us a couple times a month. Usually he only makes it a couple meters before we're able to kind of catch him and bring him back, but he's slipped out of open windows a couple times without people noticing. He slipped out of actually an Airbnb door once, um, so it wasn't even in the van and was gone for over an hour. And one of the things that's really challenging in the van, as you can imagine with a cat, is A, he doesn't know where he is, so it's a lot less easy for him to kind of make his way back the way that an indoor-outdoor cat might be able to if you live in a normal house. We might be in much more unsafe areas as well, like most people who have indoor-outdoor cats put some amount of thought into whether or not they're going to do that based on kind of, you know, their backyard and their neighborhood and whatever. And then the third thing is (laughs) he has a knack for disappearing as we are packing up to leave a campsite. Um, I have... (laughs) 
like every time we've lost him for more than 15 minutes has been in the process of trying to leave a campsite, which probably is more my fault than his. It means that as I'm trying to pack up a campsite, that's when I lose him. But it also means that like, you're just like, you know, running around Mexico or whatever, trying to like find this lost cat that you didn't really want to have. You do love dearly. And you're now like late for (laughs) your driving day because of this missing cat. So uh, some of the fears were very valid um, and others have been managed quite well. Come to think about it, I think we know a lot of people on the road that have either cats or dogs. Once I think about it, you're the only person we actually know that has both a cat and a dog. And multiple dogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't think it would be, I mean, it would be possible with two people, but definitely having it be just me helps a lot as far as kind of space, weight, storage, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, You know, my two dogs kind of take up about as much space as a second person. So in our dog and van life episode, we talked a lot about the difference between starting van life with a dog and getting a dog while you're doing van life. So I'm curious if there's kind of a parallel there of different mindsets or things you should should think about if you are starting van life and already have a cat versus if you're doing van life and you have a hankering to get a cat just like yourself. Yeah, I think I have a stronger opinion on this one than I did with the dog. So I'm glad you asked. I think because there's kind of fewer cats that are likely to be a good fit for van life. Just, you know, they're, they may be shyer. They may be more what we call um, neophobic, which it means kind of fear of new things. They may, you know, have kind of litter box sensitivities or particularities. Um, they may like to escape or again, a lot of cats really, really don't like being in the car. I would think really hard about whether or not your current cat is actually a good fit for van life and probably do a little bit of a test run, which we'll describe later on what I did with Norbert before really feeling like confident that the van is going to work for my cat. And I'm not saying that if you already have a really shy cat, you can't do van life, but it would be really hard to be full time in a van with a cat that doesn't feel comfortable in the car. So what I would recommend is Generally, if you have the choice, you don't have either yet, I would get the van first, build the van with a cat in mind, and then start really searching for a cat that's going to be a good fit for the van. I would probably recommend going with a kitten because a lot of the things that we'll describe later on in this episode, like the harness training and getting a cat used to the car are just going to be much easier with a younger cat versus an older cat. You know, like you can imagine that most adult dogs are going to feel comfortable on a leash and in the car. That's just not a given for kitties. One of the first things I always think about when trying to accommodate extra extra beings in a van is the things you need to do to your van to you know help accommodate that cat. Uh, you mentioned you cleared off a quarter of the headliner shelf for Norbert's food. What else did you do to get the van ready for, for the cat? You are obviously already living in the van, not in the build phase, uh, but what modifications have you made to the van to help with the cat? Yeah, the biggest thing definitely was the headliner shelf. If you don't already have one of those and you're considering getting a cat, I would definitely plan on adding a headliner shelf. It's just really nice. Cats are kind of naturally arboreal. They're climbers. So giving your cat vertical space where he or she can hang out is a really huge part of kind of their mental health. So that was really important to me to make sure he had some 3D spaces to use in the van. Um, And luckily, in a lot of ways, vans actually have a fair amount of 3D complexity. 
Then the other biggest thing besides the headliner shelf that we did talk about, um, his food storage has not been as challenging as with the dogs because he eats so much less. So cat food generally comes in much smaller bags. It wasn't hard for me to find space where I kind of like shove a little bag of cat food and, you know, just get a new one every couple of weeks. It's um, not as nearly as big of a deal as the dog food was, but the litter box, the litter box, the litter box, the litter box. Norbert pees and poops outside whenever given the opportunity. He prefers to go outside, which is perfect, but he still does need to use the litter box inside at least once a day, most days, sometimes quite a bit more than that, depending on what my day looks like. So what I chose to do was I got a fully enclosed litter box storage box sort of thing on Wayfair. I measured it very specifically. The plan was it was going to fit in between my driver and passenger side door. And then I was going to build a platform on top of that so that that could kind of then be a jump seat. And then when it arrived, it was two inches bigger and two inches wider than the dimensions had specified online. (laughs) So I ended up not being able to go with that plan. And instead the litter box, um, if you can imagine under my bed, there's kind of a gap that you can see into that garage space. So the litter box lives there facing out And then my storage cube that kind of we talked about in the working from the van episode, that's my seat that I use for work and is also a storage cube and also the step up into the bed. I've got that pulled out about eight inches from the two walls. So he has like an eight inch L shaped corridor that he has to navigate to get into his litter box. Um, And the main reason I had to do that specific setup is because both of my dogs will eat cat turds given the opportunity. (laughs) So I have to make sure that he can access it, but the dogs can't. It's not a great system as far as odor control. I would really prefer not having the litter box literally under my bed. But as I said, I like I was I didn't know I was keeping a cat until just over a month before I was planning on starting the Pan American Highway. So I just didn't have a lot of time to build myself like a custom litter box solution the way that I would really like to. That would be something that I absolutely would do if I was building a van around a cat. I would figure out a space away from the kitchen and away from the bed as much as possible with kind of a permanent door for the cat, you know, kind of a little, a little hidey hole sort of thing for the cat to come in and out of a nice, easy to clean surface underneath for the box. And then an easy way to open and close it to get the box in and out for Mm -hmm. full cleaning of the box. That would make a huge difference in my enjoyment of having a cat in the van. Yeah. Kind of thinking about what that would look like. I don't think it'd be all that hard to, to build, but yeah, it's just a very custom, you know, thing to, uh, you know, make that, that sort of enclosure with, you're, you're talking just kind of like a, like a doggy door flap for the cat to come and go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I can imagine something like that fitting really well into the wardrobe that I currently have, or kind of on the far side of my kitchen galley area, if I rearrange some things I think could work there as well. But I just didn't have Basically, I didn't have time between when I decided I was keeping Norbert and when I was leaving for the Pan American Highway where I had access to saws. So I just didn't have the opportunity to build something for myself. Fair enough. Yeah, I I think, too, what you said kind of about utilizing the natural 3D alleyways and, and pieces of a van build that a cat can get around a lot easier than a dog. Like, it sounds a lot easier to accommodate for a cat than than a dog. I really did love that term, arboreal. Yeah, us too. I love that. <laughs> yeah, biologist here. Yeah, well, and it's, I actually, I'm shocked, but I think living in a van with a cat is better than living in a van with a dog. 
broadly. Again, the litter box, the litter box is manageable, but it sucks. But even I've got poster, fic, photos of this on my Instagram, but there's kind of a dish above the glove compartment in my van. And I've got an 06 Sprinter. So one of the older Sprinters, I don't know how common this is in all of the other van configurations, but it is perfectly cat shaped. And whenever we're driving, Norbert oh. loves to just kind of curl up in this little dish. It's only like an inch deep and just soak up the sun, look out the window. He bats oh. at the windshield wipers if it's raining. Like he he just loves it. He is the happiest dude in the world. Um, and, uh, just fits really well in a way that the dogs don't, you know, all of the climbing and all of the clambering and all the small spaces in the van kind of work for cats. I could definitely see that. Is there anything that you would suggest to do? We kind of just talked about prepping your van for the cat, but now thinking like, is there anything you had to do to prep your cat for the van? You said it's pretty natural, but I'm sure there is some, some things you had to train him to do like not to step on the stove like you mentioned or anything like that yeah I think let's kind of rewind here and talk a little bit about figuring out if your cat is right for van life because part of the reason that prepping Norbert for the van was easy was because he was a cat who was kind of already prepped for the van (laughs) so if you're looking for a cat for van life, or if you're kind of deciding if your cat is going to adapt well to van life, or if you need to consider some other option for yourself for housing or for the cat, maybe if you're looking at kind of taking a short van sabbatical and whether or not you want to take the the cat with you on this trip, I would really be looking at cats that are really uniquely adaptable, confident, and optimistic. So what I mean by that is when I open the van door, Norbert's first thought is to march outside with his tail up and he is like there, he's ready to spit at dogs and tell them to back off if needed. He walks right up to every stranger and starts winding around their legs. He doesn't spook at trucks, you know, releasing their air brakes. He is just happy and ready to be pretty much literally everywhere I've ever taken him. And then making sure that the cat is comfortable in the car. That is not a thing that a lot of cats are good at, particularly if you're looking at an older cat. But, you know, you can imagine that if your cat screams in the car nonstop every time you try to take them to the vet, it's going to be a long, stressful, difficult road to get them ready to actually live in a van and feel comfortable in the van as well. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, starting with the right cat is going to help a lot. So with Norbert, what I was looking at with him was I started really considering keeping him when I saw the way that he and Niffler, my younger dog, played. They adore each other. Their nighttime fights are, you know, the stuff of legend. Uh, They just have the best time (laughs) together and really, really love each other. So that was kind of what got me thinking like, oh gosh, oh no. Now one of the three of us is falling in love. Now I might have to figure out how to keep this cat. Then what I did was I actually took Norbert on a road trip for a weekend. So we went on a three-hour drive from my field site in northern Nebraska up to Sioux Falls to visit one of my best friends from high school. We rented an Airbnb and we drove back. So he got the experience of going on a three-hour road trip, going into an Airbnb, experiencing an Airbnb. You know, we took him to parks, we took him to pet stores and kind of really threw the gauntlet at him. And I just, I was really, I was like, you've got to prove to me that you can handle this life, little kitty cat. And if you (laughs) keep stepping up and keep showing me that, yeah, you don't mind the car. Yeah. You don't mind an Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. You don't mind being on leash. Yeah. You don't mind, you know, sitting out at a picnic for a couple hours, then Mm -hmm. you can stay. But it was very much so he had to prove to me that he could stay. But then from there, again, that doesn't mean that like there was no work. So the biggest thing that he struggled with was getting used to a harness and leash. 
set up. He didn't mind putting the harness on day one. I've kind of carried him into a pet store during that trip in Sioux Falls once, basically by the time we'd made it to Saturday morning, having driven on Friday afternoon, stayed in the Airbnb overnight and woken up on Saturday morning. I was like, okay, I think he's good. I think he's staying. So we went to a pet store to buy him a harness. He didn't mind the harness at all, pretty much right away, which I'm lucky on, but he was quite young. But he did really struggle with leash pressure. So what we did there is he wore the, the harness for several hours without the leash attached. Then he wore the harness with the leash dragging for a couple hours. And I tried as much as possible not to put pressure on the leash, you know, not yeah. to step on it, not to pull on it, not to have it in my hand at all for those first couple hours. And then really for the first couple days, he mostly was dragging the leash because anytime there was too much pressure on the leash, he tried to back out of the, the harness and kind of panicked about that pressure. And then we kind of gently introduced him to the concept of pressure on the leash, meaning that he, meaning that he should move towards the leash. Um, we used treats for that. And now he walks beautifully on leash um, and off leash. He is pretty good, definitely better on leash or kind of what we do. Most of our walks is he's got a, like a 10 foot paracord leash that he drags on our walks. So I've got something I can step on or grab as needed. Um, it also helps me see him. If he kind of ducks off into the underbrush, I can see the bright orange paracord peeking out, but he's generally off leash on our hikes. So that's like the harness and leash. We also did get a backpack for him, which has been really great. It allows us to take him on longer walks and hikes if desired without needing to worry about what happens if he gets tired or crabby. And on a lot of our longer walks or hikes, he's kind of in and out of the backpack throughout the walker hike. He still isn't doing anything that's more than like a mile or two. But even then, you know, he gets hot, he gets tired. It's nice to be able to kind of pop him into the backpack if he if he needs or if we're kind of trying to make it somewhere quickly. It's often better to pop him in the backpack, get there and then let him out, tie him up to, you know, a tree or a rock or something and let him enjoy wherever it is we're going. So we do that a lot when we're on the coast and we want to walk to watch sunset. You know, we're in a little bit of a time crunch to catch the sunset. So we don't want to necessarily walk at the cat's pace. And that's where the backpack comes in. And then the back, the litter box and riding in the car both came really easily for him. He has had a couple accidents in the van, but they've almost universally been when just due to kind of van shuffling, the box that I use as my chair has shifted to block his entrance to the litter box. So that is one of the biggest fatal flaws in our current setup is that it is possible to block his access to the litter box. And then you hinted at, yeah, Colby, the, the stove. So because the van is such a small space, I have chosen, well, because the van is such a small space, it's not really possible to keep him off of the counters fully. He actually has to walk over the counters and actually his launching point to get into the, uh, the overhead compartment, which is where his food is, is pretty much the stove. <laughs> so he has to be able to walk on the cabinets and has to be able to walk near the stove. But that means that we've had to do some work with getting him to understand when that is and is not appropriate. So basically mm -hmm. our solution has been, he's a very treat motivated cat. He really loves food, whether that's little bits of chicken or hot dog or tuna or just kind of store-bought cat treats. Whenever I am cooking and there is food or fire involved, as long as he is sitting on that storage cube, he gets fed every couple seconds. Um, and now we've kind of moved up to like every couple minutes, but he basically has learned that whenever there is food on the counter or the stove is on, he just gets fed for being right there. And that has been really helpful as well, because as we've said, he's a ditch cat. So 
we were both struggling with him trying to burn his tail off and him trying to constantly steal and like gnaw through all of my food as I'm trying to meal prep. <laughs> so that has been a really successful approach so far and really, really helpful again, because he did burn his whiskers a couple times. He did burn his tail once or twice as we were kind of getting this system figured out. He's also definitely, he stole my dad's hamburger once, just slipped it right out from between the buns. <laughs> so le- helping him learn that not only is he supposed to stay somewhere, but he will get paid handsomely for it in food has been really helpful that just kind of avoid all sorts of unfortunate incidents around cooking. I love so much about everything there. Everything from the, the like the trial road trips, which I'm sure would work excellent for a, a, a dog too. But um, we tell people to, you know, trial a van for a week before they, they go out and, you know, buy or build or commit to one. So it makes a lot of sense to do that with a cat or a dog as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's You know, cats kind of go at their own pace, and it's certainly worth not rushing a lot of these things to get it right. So if we wrap it up into some pros and cons of just having a cat with you on the road, what were you, what would you say are some of the biggest, you know, benefits and and drawbacks? Yeah. So as always, I'm going to start with the cons because I like ending on a high note. Backpacking can be hard. So this hasn't been a huge deal for us because there's so little backpacking in Central America and so much of the backpacking in Central America isn't dog friendly either. So it's just not a big deal for us. But if you are kind of in the Intermountain West or Southwest and want to be backpacking a lot, bringing a cat along can be tricky. Yes, you can backpack with a cat, but you know, anytime you're carrying him, that's an extra eight to 15 pounds that you need to carry. You've got to have their food and they just don't keep up the same way dogs do. Again, the litter box sucks. There was a period of time where Norbert um, was pooping pretty much 5am on the dot every morning. um, And it was, he was having a hard time adjusting to a new food and, you know, need I say more, it smelled. It was really unpleasant um, as a way to kind of wake up every morning. Again, that's not a consistent issue for us, but it was one at, you know, and it lasted like a month. Uh, So that, that sucked. We've talked a little bit about the door darting and, you know, the escape, and that is just really stressful. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it flash before my eyes that he slips out the door and just goes right under the wheels of another car or something like that. It's just a constant fear of mine. It hasn't happened yet. We do everything we can to make sure it doesn't, but it's scary. And then, you know, they don't offer the same deterrent that dogs do. That's one of the big drawbacks that cats have as opposed to dogs. Um, nobody is going to leave me as a solo female van lifer alone because I have a cat with me. <laughs> um, quite the opposite, actually. Um, he's quite the conversation starter. And yeah, then just all around, they're just a less hardcore adventure buddy. So if you're really looking for you know, a mountain biking pet buddy or climbing buddy or anything like that backpacking, uh, they're just not going to come along and push you and challenge you and stay with you the same way that a dog will. And I say that as someone who has an extraordinarily adventurous cat. I mean, Norbert's gone swimming. He, he goes hiking. Like he's, he's a really, really cool cat, but he is not an adventure match for my border collies. But then there are the pros. I mean, he's great company. I love having a cat sitting on my lap and purring, especially when it's cold out. There's just nothing better than having a a happy kitty on your lap purring while you're reading a book or whatever. He's, he's currently fighting a cockroach to death and it's just adorable. He's having the best time. The cockroach is not, but that's okay. He's a conversation starter. I love that. Um, you know, sometimes living in a van, you get sick of the conversation starters, but it's kind of nice to talk about my cat instead of the van sometimes. 
he makes people really happy. We've had some pretty funny interactions with police, toll workers, other interactions that can be tense in Central America. And then they see the cat and they just kind of light up and they laugh and like people take photos of him and they, you know, people will be like, oh my God, I thought that was a stuffed animal. And it's just, it's just fun. He's easier to care for day to day than a dog by far. If I need to be out of the van for 12 hours at a time, no big deal. You know, like he wants attention. He wants to be with me. He wants to be involved, but it's not like he can't pee if I'm gone. But yeah, I mean, I, I love having him. He, I, I joke a lot of that. He's the worst of my three sons because he is young. He's less than a year old and he can be spicy. He can be naughty every once in a while in the middle of the night. He just gets the zoomies and you've got a cat like sprinting back and forth from one end of the van to the other. And that includes running across your throat or your face um, or your bladder. <laughs> and, you know, it's <laughs> sometimes that's pretty cute and sometimes it's very not cute, but he's, he's great. It's, I, uh, I do, I do actually think I kind of recommend having a cat in the van. <laughs> yeah, it's a great list. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to keep in touch, uh, you can find Kayla and her menagerie at Collies Without Borders on Instagram and YouTube or writing at journeydogtraining.com. And you can find Colby and I at engineershovanlife.com or on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.